biggest thrill for me was when we hit wardrobe and I happened to view Arnold's wardrobe tape and when my arms taped out one inch bigger than Mr. Olympia's that made Jesse Ventura feel talent with Dan and Evan. Evan and Dan. We're back again, and Dan, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Have I ever told you the story about Jesse Ventura trying to start a wrestling union in 1986? No, you haven't. Do you want to hear that story? I would love to. All right. Well, I'm excited to tell it to you. I'm going to take it all the way back to the very, very beginning. Mm -hmm. The date, July 15, 1951. 1951. That's right. In Minnesota. Minnesota, okay. James George Janos is born. Do you know who that is? I have no idea. James George Janos? That's right. James George Janos. The Hands of Fate. Correct. Yeah. Also kind of like the guy from uh, uh, Ghostbusters 2, Janos Poha. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway. James George Janos, you say. He was a Navy SEAL. He was a football wow, player. Wow, he was a Navy SEAL already after he was born. Right after. 1951. The, the minute yeah. of. Um, no, like, he, w- he went on to become a Navy SEAL. Harry Truman was like, we need you in the Korean War right <laughs> now, child. Get in here, Janos. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, you betcha. I'll be right there. Hold on. I just got to tighten yeah. up my uh, my belt strap. A distinguished voice for a child. Yeah. Something. Do you see where I'm getting with this? Well, that's Jesse Ventura. Right? Yeah. So Jesse Ventura's real name, James George Janos. I just want, I, I've always wanted to actually say his real name aloud. Anyway, Jesse the Body Ventura was a professional wrestler in the late 70s into the early 80s until uh, blood clots in his lungs forced him into retirement, mm-hmm. at which point he became a color commentator for the WWF. So kind of bizarre to think of him this way, you know, with like an earring and dressed in like a you know, mauve bandana on his head and... It's true. Like a shiny gold jacket, right? With a mustache and uh, uh, shades. But anyway, yeah, so when he was a wrestler, he um, he came up with the gimmick of a uh, cocky beach bully. Okay. Uh, bleach blonde, buff, suntanned, with a slightly receding hairline. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Just a I little mean, bit. I... And in fact, I think it sounds familiar twice. Thrice, if we're encounter, if we're including yeah, Je- mean, Jesse I, himself, we're talking about Hulk Hogan here, but uh, superstar Billy exactly, Graham kind of yeah. the same thing. Yep, it's like you know, looking like a combination of the uh, the guy who kicks sand in the scrawny guy's face at, in those like comic book uh, Charles Atlas ads, yep. and combined with the uh, strong guy who takes the Charles Atlas bodybuilding courses and. <laughs> You know, ends up becoming the hero of the beach. Exactly. I mean, I think that the latter is what yeah, Hulk Hogan was like going for. Terrifying looking, ultra muscular, blonde Midwestern or Floridian guys who uh, were pretending to be like California yeah, beach bums. Pretty much. I mean, the latter like, is definitely. You know, Jesse uh, Ventura like dressing in like hippie t shirts and <laughs> tie dye. Being and built like a brick shit house. Yep. And with a thick Minnesotan accent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going down to the hate Ashbury, going to see the Grateful Dead perform. <laughs> you know, I never really was too kind to the hippies. 
but uh, one of my bigger my, my bigger hobbies as a native Californian is I really like to soak up the sun on the beach, and I uh, I like to I like to soak up the sun. <laughs> I'm I, gonna tell all everyone. All I want to do is have some fun. <laughs> gonna tell everyone to like up. One. <laughs> Toba. Gonna drive down Santa Monica Boulevard until the sun comes up. Don't you know? <laughs> um, okay, but uh, but anyway, so yeah, so he, he wrestled as kind of a beach bum, uh, hippie-ish, bleached blonde character until exactly until his uh, like 1980 got the better of him or that. Um, I believe it was 1984 was when he retired. He had a couple of um, brief six man, eight man tag type matches mm-hmm. in 1985, and I believe his last match was a failed attempt at a comeback in 1986. But by yeah. 1986. He was also seated comfortably as the most popular announcer in WWF next to Gorilla Monsoon, with whom he hosted the first five WrestleManias. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they were, for me, like as a kid growing up, they were actually a pretty classic uh, pairing of announcers. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesse Ventura is, you know, pretty much retired. Mm-hmm. Still, still kicking around with the boys in the back. He is still one of the boys after all. He's an announcer, yeah. Yeah. So, 1986, in mm-hmm. the weeks leading up to WrestleMania two, here, they're in the locker room, and there's nary an officer around. No one that works for the WWF brass is in the locker room. And Jesse stands up on a bench, and he's like, Boys, I need everybody to listen for just a second. It's time for us to unionize. And I got this idea from Gene Upshaw. Have you heard of him? What's Upshaw? Or who's oh, Upshaw? shit. What's Upshaw, dog? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was his pitch. He said, uh, and I, I'm quoting this from uh, an RF video uh, shoot interview he did from 2012, wherein Der Corper said, <laughs> what did Boys, he say? now's our chance. All the publicity has gone out on WrestleMania 2. So all we have to do is refuse to wrestle and we go public and we say we want to unionize because it's federally legal to have union representation, to have health insurance, to have things to cover us for our homes and our families. I'm kind of paraphrasing in the latter. Yeah, the I mean, quote, wrestlers, uh, wrestlers in the WWF to this day are classified as independent contractors rather correct. than employees. Yeah. However, um, you know, even I think by the time of WrestleMania 2, it was becoming obvious that uh, there were very few other options for wrestlers to go to. They right. had contracts that you know would you know prohibit some free agency. The wrestlers uh, had few options for you know where to go if they wanted to make the kind of money the WWE right. offers. And you know you were required to follow WWE protocol. And, and you this know, there, is there, you know wrestlers were essentially employees for the biggest. TV wrestling game in town, even if yep. they weren't given the benefits of employees, because no, technically exactly. they're contractors. But we're talking 32 years ago. This yeah. was still happening. You know, this is still happening today in 2018. It's the 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 song remains the, the same. Yeah, the sad uh, postscript to this uh, to this podcast. Oh yeah, we'll get more into that later. But yeah, me, so there's, I mean, there's so a Jesse's got he's got got a good idea where yeah the wrestlers, especially if they strike. They went on strike like right before WrestleMania two. Exactly. Then they'd have a lot of leverage. Yep. 
and to, uh, you know honestly to make some demands that I think would be seen as pretty reasonable in the eyes of people in even in the 80s when like union busting really started to take hold yeah in, like a major way yeah, definitely and um again you know said, citing the uh, the shoot interview that I watched at, at least fucking a hundred times in the research for this episode oh, wow. um El Cuerpo uh, went on to say that he was hoping that uh, this would be something that could influence, uh, you know, WCW, Eastern Championship Wrestling at the time, or the oh NW, yeah yeah like he said the that NWA, once like, the WWF happened, then like they could organize WCW in the same kind of principle. Yeah, he basically saw it, and he wasn't wrong. He saw it in um, it was a domino fashion, and he knew that the way to get his way was to knock over the biggest domino first. WWF was the biggest hurdle to get over. So after his uh, his whole spiel was delivered, he, the next morning, received a phone call from one uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon yeah. who shoot him out in a big way. So he threatened to fire him. And according to LaCour, he um, came within an eyelash of being fired. But he also was looking to quit because I mean I know I know that uh, Vince McMahon doesn't like it when you touch people you touch his arm really um, so you know if you touch it uh, Titus O'Neil got like suspended oh, yeah. for uh, like touching Vince McMahon like very casually um, just when they're in a crowd together at some yeah. wrestling event so you know if you touch Vince McMahon's eyelash you get within an eyelash you're definitely in hot water yeah you're definitely in some deep shit if you and Vince McMahon are within an eyelash of each other um, so the interesting thing here is that Jesse Ventura was actually in a contract dispute himself, which I, and I'm inferring here, but I I have inferred in the time that I've been doing research on this subject that yeah this is what led to him bringing up the unionizing was he was in a contract dispute because he wanted to do the movie Predator, oh, which yeah. he was in. So Vince McMahon. It's the only movie to feature what two future U.S. governors. Between yes. him and Schwarzenegger? Yep, correct. And let's not forget that Jesse Ventura carries a fucking Gatling gun in oh, Predator. Yeah. So He's one half of the greatest handshake in movie history? No, he's not. Oh, well, That's no. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl, Carl Weathers, Weathers okay. sir. Carl Weathers, who really should be good governor of the U.S. state by now. He really should have been. Also, just a little bit of movie foreshadowing for you. Did you notice yeah. in Predator the most iconic handshake of all time? Carl Weathers also gets his right arm blown off. Oh, wow. And then dies later in the film. So, yeah, it's actually right after WrestleMania 2 it was uh, st supposed to start filming. Uh, Vince McMahon would not give him the go-ahead to sign a contract to join the film. Hmm. So Jesse Ventura outright quit the WWF. Now, this is important because at the time, they were in contract negotiations with NBC to start doing Saturday Night's main event. Okay. Which started in 1987, I want to say, or late 86. I can't remember exactly. Um, okay. And unfortunately, I forgot to look it up because I'm a fucking unprofessional. Um, so anyway, let's just say 1987. We're looking at Saturday Night's Main Event. Saturday okay. Night's Main Event starts on the NBC network. The first episode airs. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan are the announced team. And NBC went fucking ballistic. They called McMahon and they were like, you have to be fucking kidding me. We signed this contract for the, partially for the announced team of Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura. Yeah. You gave us half of that, but we entered this contract with you under the impression that you were going to deliver Jesse Ventura as part of the announced team. 
Vince McMahon then had to. They just want the body that bad. They really do. <laughs> they they really want O Corpo. Yeah. Um, in case you so can't Vince tell, Vince has I, to has to backpedal or he panic, did have right? to backpedal. Yeah, he went to to Jesse and he offered him a new contract. Jesse said yes, but I have to take care of some things first. The things that he had to take care of was during the filming of Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger offered him a part in The Running Man. Oh yeah, he so was one of those like uh, the you know the the runners. Yeah, the, he was one of the runners exactly. So, um, which uh, was he like a fire themed guy or the ice themed guy or the? Oh God, I can't no. Remember. Professor Toru Tanaka was the ice themed. Yeah, guy, so right? he was fire. There was another. There was another wrestler in that, right? Yes. Arnold Arnold poached a bevy of wrestlers to do that movie. The thing that he told Vince McMahon he had to tie up his loose ends on before coming back to the WWF was to yeah. sign a contract to be in the movie The Running Man. Okay. So, here we are. We're there. We've got that far. And this is where it gets a little bit interesting and where it becomes a bit more of a melodrama okay. and where we get to add Hulk Hogan, brother. Mm -hmm. um, so... His first day back, orange shadow being cast over this podcast. Oh already. yeah, always, always. He's always following you like an overly tanned, white-haired shadow. Um, so anywho, Jesse Ventura on his first day back in the WWF approached Vince McMahon and he said, "I just want to let you know, I don't need your union. You'll never hear me talk about a union again." So which Vince McMahon? So, so yeah. No, please. So part of that was from uh, Jesse being a film actor by then right correct exactly so in the time between starting on predator and signing on for the running man he became a member of sag all right and so we are kind of had 30, a union covered yeah we're 31 years removed he's still in sag so basically the happy ending to the story and the happy ending to part one of this episode is jesse got his union good for him but, but there's uh, a lot of uh why didn't he get in in the first place why didn't he get it in the first place? That's a great question. I'll tell you why. Yeah. It starts with H, ends with N, and in the middle of it is Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Hulk fucking Hogan. Ratted out Jesse Ventura to Vince McMahon um, immediately after Jesse Ventura pitched the idea of the wrestlers unionizing. So that's why Jesse Ventura got an angry call and an eyelashes with the way from firing Correct. Like the day after you talked about this. Correct. Now let me start this off by saying fucking Kale Supreze, the one fucking person, of course fucking Hulk Hogan ratted out Jesse Ventura. You know, like Hulk Hogan didn't, because I mean, it wasn't you, his fucking idea. You might, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why Hulk Hogan would have ratted out Jesse Ventura in this situation. He was the unquestionable top guy and must have been making money of like an order of magnitude beyond what other guys were. Right. So I mean, he was in a cushy position. Him. He thought that he could make more money just being a stooge to the boss and correct had no horse in that race. Didn't need solidarity as much as the other workers did. No, he didn't need I solidarity. I mean, also as much you as could say that Hulk Hogan probably ratted out Jesse Ventura because Hulk Hogan is a terrible person and always has been, and always I mean, you will can just be. See this as as chaotic evil, chaotic neutral <laughs> Hulk Hogan just choosing to mess things up and yep. be a a jerk to some other folks. Yeah, I mean, in this instance, I definitely think of Jesse Ventura as chaotic good because he was. You know, he's a dick, but he was working for the greater good of the company. He was working for the boys in the back. Yeah, I heard Roddy Piper and Bret Hart and some other, you know, some other 
important wrestlers were pretty into the idea of oh like, definitely yeah there was there was a lot of guys that were there were a lot of guys that jumped on it the yeah. previously mentioned yeah unionizing would be fucking great because i have to spend a shitload of money to get to get checked out by a doctor i have to spend a shitload of money on travel i have to spend a shitload of money to rent a car i have to spend lots of money out of pocket and this isn't now 2018 yeah. with guaranteed contracts wrestlers aren't benefits yeah. and exactly well like wrestlers yeah. also weren't making nearly as much money then as they are now yeah you and know we, like and we forget that uh you know sports players making any kind of money at all was because of players unions exactly and i feel like you know within the decade before jesse had this conversation that uh like the ma- i know major league baseball at least had formed like a players union right but also they, that's where the gene upshaw thing comes in gene upshaw okay. was the head of the nfl players union okay so he was the one that planted the seed in jesse ventura's head so from there hetlichem mm-hmm. that is dutch for the body <laughs> um, wow you you really learned that pronunciation yeah, I did. I mean, you could be completely wrong, and I just am not aware of it. I'm not. I listened to the Google Translate three times. Wow. Yeah, I'm well-researched. I mean, it's not surprising that uh, since so many wrestlers had gone through the NFL at some point before right. or during their wrestling careers that, uh, you know, they would, you know, Jesse might seek advice from the head of the NFL Players Association. You well, think that question. many of these wrestlers, like, it seems like if they'd spent time in a sport that was actually kind of represented well with a, a player's union. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can understand why they want a union because, you know, why are they going to work for a, this even more physically dangerous sport that, uh, with no insurance. Yeah. Um, you know, that actually you free that agency or like healthcare. <laughs> yeah. Why can't it be one or the other? You know, like that would be kind of a, it sounds silly and it sounds like I'm being flippant. But it's yeah. something I'm, I've, I've really thought about here while I was doing doing the, the, the legwork, getting ready for this episode. In the 80s, it was like the fucking Wild West anyway. Yeah. What, what did Vince McMahon or, um, or the Crockett's, like what did any of them have to lose by saying you're exclusive and you get benefits or you're a free agent and you get paid what you get paid when you're here? They were making money hand over fucking fist. So I don't, and it's like it. Maybe it seems a little silly, and yeah. even a little bit amateurish of of me, to say like, why can't it be both? Why can't it be one or the other? Mm. But at the same time, like again, they were making enough money that they could have said to guys like, you can be a free agent under a you know a short term contract, or you can be an employee and get treated like a goddamn employee. Yeah, and who knows what Vince McMahon might have done later on. Probably nothing, but, you know, had this not happened, I don't know if uh, labor relations would have changed at all. Probably not. Or, and it, it or raises just up. the, you know, the wrestling territories died out earlier or anything else happened, you know. Right. There's a lot of, lot of things that could have gone differently about the early WWF. It raises a lot of questions for me personally, um, because as we move closer to Vince McMahon bringing the XFL back. Yeah. What the fuck is he going to do then? Is it still going to be no players union? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I don't think football players are going to stand for that shit in the same way. Like, if if he is even within a shit's whisper lucky enough to get, you know, some NFL players or soon to be retired NFL players yeah. to join the XFL, they're going to want a fucking union. 
also that is it's a double-edged sword because if, if he unionizes the XFL, yeah. why hasn't he unionized the WWE? These guys are not independent contractors. They are contracted employees, which are completely different things. Okay, yeah. Like, they're under a contract because they're expected to perform X number of dates in and out of the ring per year yeah to be paid x amount of money per year for those dates for those appearances but they're not independent they're not on open-ended contracts and they're definitely not free agents of any stripe not at all i mean this it's anomalous still to us when wwe guys show up in progress or show up in evolve or uh, anywhere else you yeah. know, like I like um, Drew McIntyre doing commentary for ICW when his arm was injured last year. That would have been unheard of even three years ago. Yeah. So that gives you a good idea of exactly how strict these fucking contracts were back then and how they how strict they are now and how yeah. stringent they still are. But you're blowing smoke up my ass when you tell me these guys are independent contractors. That's a fucking lie. No, I mean, I think any if any professional organizer had come in or, you know, if any kind of union organizing in the WWE like had made it to any kind of court case i think it would be would have been obvious that uh you know the labor policies in the you know in big wrestling corporations were uh in need of some revision some serious oh, revision without like without question so but uh to take it into and, the and uh, you know like I, this is i think around the same time that like linda and vince mcmahon argued successfully that they should be exempt from like athletic commission rules in many states because as they you know scandalously admitted wrestling was uh fake not a real you sport, know it yeah. was predetermined and that the the whole thing should be classified more as entertainment than as a, a sport that needed to be regulated like a sport yeah in and which that, case then you know why aren't these people in sag right exactly um, like there's there's still there's a lot of different ways know, out of it performers are in stunt? sag uh yeah. i believe or i mean they've like they're they're covered by union protections uh actors certainly are wrestlers do both and they don't get anything yeah and it's truly fucking shameful i guess the last part of uh the saga of jesse ventura and the union yeah is how he found out how did he find out that it was hulk hogan he sued vince mcmahon yeah in the early 90s for uh for royalties because and he never said who it was Mm mm-hmm but he said a higher-ranking wrestler on the card. You're saying told him that like if you're not a top guy, royalties don't mean shit. But that's oh, not I true see. because royalties so mean a, a higher-ranking wrestler told uh, Jesse Ventura mm-hmm. about something about royalties that caused him to sue Vince McMahon. So he told him royalties don't mean anything. Okay, and they don't make you any money. So Jesse Ventura declined to sign a contract about royalties for his appearance in a Sega video game. Okay. But then he was finding out that he was losing out on a shitload of money yeah. from replays of pay-per-views, from replays of Saturday night's main event, from tape sales, from Titan home video. He was losing out on a lot of fucking money. So yeah. he sued Vince McMahon for all that back scratch. Yes. And in the process of that, Vince McMahon in a deposition was asked, have you ever heard of any wrestlers in your company trying to unionize? To which Vince McMahon said, yeah, I think Jesse Ventura spouted off about that at some point. They were like, really? Well, how did you find out about that? 
and he said, oh, Hulk Hogan told me. <laughs> well, I, I mean, he's under oath, so he probably said Terry Bollea told me. Yeah. However, that as we know from the Gawker sex tape case, Terry Bollea and Hulk Hogan are two completely different people. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so to that end, that was actually a question that Jesse Ventura himself asked his lawyer to ask Vince McMahon because he had wanted to know for five years who the fuck ratted him out to Vince McMahon to get him in that much trouble to pretty much essentially put paid to his wrestling career because by the time Hulk Hogan got over to WCW Jesse Ventura was a color commentator there and Eric Bischoff sent his ass home he, re- wow. he released him from his contract but because, because Hogan w- didn't want to work with him. Yeah, Hogan just didn't want him around. Well, I was going to ask, you know, what happened to Hogan and Ventura's relationship after this? Or they, were um, they already on bad terms? They were friends. This? They were friends. Like, they had been friends for about 10 years up to that point. Huh. Like, 1980 to 1990, they were buddies. Um, according to Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura carries, like, carries an axe to grind against him, and he doesn't know why. But that's what Hulk Hogan says about literally everybody that fucking hates him. <laughs> And I think... Um, I just don't understand why anyone hates me, dude. <laughs> just really can't wrap my head around how somebody wouldn't like the Hulk, brother. I'm a man of the people. I'm lovable, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they were friends before that. Uh, so I said what I said about Hogan. Hogan and Jesse Ventura... So this just ruined their relationship yeah, completely. Jesse Ventura said they've spoken maybe once since then, and it didn't really go well. Yeah. Because Jesse just wanted to know why. Just uh, don't don't target our podcast. There's nothing for you to take. I'm fairly litigious, brother. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's really nothing here. So I mean, the moral of this story is fuck Hulk Hogan. Well, the moral of the story is wrestlers should have a union. It's very true. Like it's just cut and dry. These guys do. To your point, they pull double duty. They're not just athletes. They're actors. Maybe they're not athletes in the traditional sense of games that don't have a predetermined uh, outcome. But I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. Yeah, one of the things that players' unions are vital to in the present day of sports is uh, like improving concussion protocols and injury exactly. protocols, making sure that uh, you know, now that we realize like the manifold dangers of you know doing this kind of athletic performance, mm-hmm. um, uh, repeatedly over the course of a year to say nothing of WWE schedule where you do it like 300 days a year yep. um, no days off really it's uh, it's pretty important to have someone like creating standards in place you know now that we know how dangerous it can be to do this kind of stuff exactly you know to make sure that people don't uh, get multiple concussions and you know get CTE or other health problems like yeah. severe health problems you know we don't have guys walking around with spinal stenosis that and that's don't one know thing about that uh, that wrestling especially exacerbates because unlike other sports there's no off season exactly you know i i wonder what would have happened if if there was a wrestler's union that had been strong for long enough you know maybe wrestlers would kind of rotate through some sort of off season where you can recuperate your body you yeah. know it's not not just about getting time off when you're injured, but it's also about you know making sure that you have other time just so your body can like heal. Right. Exactly. Even if you have no actual injuries that you've been sent to the hospital for, you know you might still be dealing with nagging uh, aches and pains and 
I mean, things like I look at it like this. Yeah. Um, if you work a physical day to day job of any stripe, if you're a day laborer, if you work in a warehouse, if you are a fucking barista, if you're a server, you know, if you do any job where you're not at a desk all day, yeah, you know what a toll that can take on your body after you know you you know you work a 50 hour work week or you just like you have a busy month and you know how your back feels all fucking jacked it's miserable up. yeah and then if you're a wrestler you do that on like a much bigger scale and yeah. then you get in a rental car and you drive to the next city where you do it again yep it, i was gonna say you think about that after, times you like, know you've got time to sleep and hopefully go to the gym between right. then but uh and it's like you think about our our daily aches and pains of our jobs and you multiply it by a hundred yeah if not more and that's what being a professional wrestler is and these guys abs guy men and women absolutely put themselves on the line to do these fucking shows and it's like to me again it's like maybe it's just the socialist talking but it's like the least we can do is have a fucking union for them that's true and you know if you would find some way like if wrestlers were given more time off more time to uh to recover recover from injuries or time to uh you know get out of their contract and go seek better opportunities and other promotions like yeah if wrestlers had you know the free agency that they kind of deserve given their like technical independent contractor status mm -hmm. in the wwe it would help with the, the shows so much too Look at what guys like, like Chris Jericho are doing right now. Like he's actually the dictionary definition of a free agent. He yeah, he's just able to reinvent his character. Yeah. He he's in New Japan now after being in the WWE. Like two weeks ago, he was in the Greatest Royal Rumble. Six days later, he's in New Japan. He's and that's again, we got fucking played because Jericho said, "Oh yeah, that's not going to happen." And then he immediately showed up and picked it up, picked his feud with Naito back up. It's happening and it's exciting. It's you know, very it, exciting. It makes you want to watch wrestling. Yeah. It. Uh, and then people come back. You know, these days sometimes like, like we're all excited to see what Dean Ambrose does as a character after he comes back from injury. Absolutely. You know, when wrestlers get injured, it's a great chance for you to like refresh your like of their character. Um, or kind of correct your dislike of a wrestler. If you know, yeah. if you don't see him on TV, then absence makes the heart go grow fonder. There's so many wrestlers who could have been bigger stars or more meaningful, who could have just told better stories to people if you know they'd had some time to kind of reinvent themselves off screen and then come yep. back and uh, start something new with a clean slate. Like, I mean, you can even look you know, at something how. Like how much have we all wished for like Bray Wyatt to go off TV for six months, like since like 2015 and come back with something different. Yeah. Because then you see these characters for weeks and weeks on end for years on end mm -hmm. running out of storylines, running out of fresh matchups. You know, it's just all the same kind of stuff you've seen before. And you just wish that uh, they'd be able to like, you know, just be, be off of your screen for a minute. Yeah. Although, you know, to, to play devil's advocate, um, Matt like, Hardy and Bray Wyatt linking up as a tag team has really... Uh, oh, that's been great. It's been a, a breath of fresh air for the Bray Wyatt I character. Mean, yeah, just like not only do the wrestlers' working conditions now make their job less safe and significantly worse for them mm -hmm. as employees... It also makes the product less good. Oh, absolutely. It keeps people on TV who need to recover from injuries, who just need to, like, refresh themselves. 
yeah keeps you from getting exciting stories about you know, how you know wrestlers are appearing on different promotions that you wouldn't expect like right and it just drags everything down yeah it's and a fucking shame all that i mean honestly i don't know i wish there was a better way i could say it other than to say it, it's a fucking shame does it deter me from watching wrestling no absolutely not but it does give me something more to think about when I watch it going forward after having researched this episode, because honestly, at the outset, I was researching it just to do a bunch of silly Jesse impersonations. Yeah. Uh, to call him the body in as many different languages as I could think of. And to at one point refer to him as a Braxis guardian of the universe. Um, so now I've literally done all of those things, but the unintended consequence and side effect of researching this episode is like, yeah, absolutely unequivocally, there should be a wrestlers union there's a there is a union for every other sport there is a union for actors there's a union for stunt people you know i, I don't get it yeah. you know it's like i i the more i researched the more intent i got on on this point and um i really hope that someday it actually does happen yeah me too and until that day we're uh, dan and evan Evan and Dan. We've got a Twitter at jobber underscore city. We've got a Facebook page. You can check that out as well. Stay tuned. Stay abreast of our social media. We'll uh, we'll be doing some more episodes again, like we do, week in and week out. Till next time. Yep. Enhancement Talent, a wrestling podcast for everybody, was written, produced, and performed by Daniel Thorne and Evan Fox. They are currently sponsored by absolutely nobody. Please sponsor us.